Isn't it funny to think back how quickly things change? For example, when some of you were growing up, people like Rhonda, if you wanted to communicate with people that you were friends with or you were dating, you had to write a letter to them. Drop that letter in the mailbox and send it to them. It would take a week to get there, then they would write you a letter back. And, and then this amazing thing came out called the telephone. And you would call in and you had to talk to the operator and they would connect you and, every, and the operator could hear everything you were talking and so you couldn't get dirty or nothing like that. And, you know, so you had code words for dirty stuff. And, or that's the way I would have done it. I don't know if that's how you did it. And then you got to my age and we had house phones, but we also had pagers. Now, you couldn't call a pager, but you could send codes on the pager. And that's how we'd communicate. Then about 10 years ago, just think about it, 10 years ago, 12 years ago, we had flip phones. Who had a flip phone? My first real job ever out of high school as I worked at the Motorola production plant making, I don't know if you remember, the Motorola Razor. Like, that was the most cutting-edge thing. It was this thin phone, and man, you could text with it, but you had to hit, there, each button had like four letters, and so you had to, it was, it's horrible. <laughs> then, the smartphone came out. And the smartphone came out, and you could text, and man, you would send paragraph after paragraph after paragraph. And remember, you would send such long text that your phone couldn't handle all, so it'd be like one of three, two of three, three of three, it'd send the messages. And nowadays, we have all this great technology, but we've kind of regressed. We don't send paragraphs anymore. We just send emojis. And I think that's awesome because here's the deal. I get a lot of texts. Now, my wife is the texting queen. I meant to do this yesterday and find out because I found out on your iPhone, you can go into your battery usage, and it will tell you the percentage of your phone that you use for certain things. So like for me, I had this sniper game where you shoot people, and I was embarrassed to find out that 23% of my phone usage is on the sniper game. I deleted Facebook from my phone, but I have Instagram, and um, it was like 41% of my phone usage was used for uh, that. 3% of my phone was used for text messaging. I would imagine my wife's is like 83%. And my wife, man, though, she is a beast. And she can get with it. I cannot get with it. I'm a pecker. That sounded horrible. That sounded horrible. So my wife's like, amen! On that note, we'll bring the band back up and we're calling it a day. Y'all have a good day. Wow. That's what a week at the beach will do for you. Xander, we're not putting a podcast up today. I'm Gary and I'm a pecker. And um, you know what I mean, though, I, Peck at the phone. <laughs> Golly. Help me, Jesus. But man, I have to admit, I love emojis because I don't have to respond to people with long sentences. These are my favorite emojis. All good. Ugh. I ain't going to tell you. We'll talk about that one in three weeks. Yeah, man, get after it, you know. And that's just how we communicate now. Our kids communicate that way. Man, there's a movie out called Emojis where the emojis attack the world. and Man, we just know the power of emojis because they say so much with so little. And those of you who don't know what an emoji is, here's the definition. An emoji is a small digital image or icon used to express an idea an emotion, an electronic communication. And that's good, because here's the deal. You can type out in a text, I'm going to stop by the store. And you can read that angry. You can read that like they're complaining. You can read that like they're happy. You can read that ever how you want to, if there was an emoji after it. My wife says, I am the king of being a jerk, being an a-hole, but throwing a smiley face on the end and being like, hey, it's all good. I threw a smiley face on there. And she's probably right. The power of emojis. I use them all the time. Like I said, I get so many texts that I enjoy being able to send back a, well, thank you. You know, that's my go-to right there. 
So what we're going to do over the next few weeks is we're just going to look at some of my favorite emojis. It was a great way for me to talk about some individual topics that I wanted to talk about. If you're new here, what we do is every month we're in a series. So it might be a series on finances or marriage or purpose or whatever. And that whole month we focus on whatever that topic is. And I love that style of preaching and I love that's what we do. Because it's hard to get to the heart of one issue in only one week. But there's times that I want to take over individual topics that I don't want to spend a month on, and this allows me to do that under a heading that you'll remember, emoji. And so what we're going to do is we're going to be talking about some of the emojis that I use the most. And I'm going to talk to you today about one that I use way, way too much. And before I show it to you, well, Xander went ahead and showed it to you. (laughs) I want you to know something. In the interest of full disclosure, I hate fake preachers. And what I mean by that is I hate preachers who get up and act like they have everything all together, and their life is perfect, and act like they're not human, and they don't struggle with things. So here's what I want you to know. This is an area in my life that at this particular time, man, I am struggling with. I am just in a stage in my life where my fuse is super, super short. The more stressed I get, I've learned the more angry I get, and I snap at people, and I snap at the kids, and unfortunately, I snap at my wife, and I snap at other people. And yesterday, I had to snap at someone, and my wife's like, I'm going to go in the next room, because I don't want to hear you do it, because I understand what you're going to do, but I know how you're going to do it. So she went next door. We're down here at the church, and I had to snap at someone, and as I was snapping at them, I felt myself getting more and more angry. <laughs> and the reality is, it's just a stage in my life right now, man, I am struggling with anger. And that's not an excuse. And we've got to learn what to do with anger. But the reality is there's not a person here today who doesn't get angry. Now, we might show that anger in a different way, and I'm going to look at the different ways we show it or the different ways we handle it, but we all have things that make us angry, and that's kind of the funny thing about anger. We all get angry about different things. And we all think it's ridiculous when other people get angry about a subject that we don't get angry about. Even though we get angry about subjects that they don't get angry about. What makes one person angry might not make another person angry. Some people get angry over sports. They get furious. You don't want to be around them during sports. How many of you have ever had the honor of watching either a Georgia Bulldog game or Atlanta Falcon game with our godly worship pastor, Philip May. Anybody has had that honor? Count yourself lucky that you have not had that honor. He walks around with a football in his hand, and I've seen a side of him that I have never seen before. As he screams at the television, I like, I'm like, do you think they hear you? But he gets angry about sports. <laughs> Some people get angry over injustice. Lord God knows in this crowd on Facebook, some people get angry over politics. God, no wonder. The number one reason I don't have Facebook on my phone anymore. Action church people and politics. It's amazing. I often wonder if you got as angry over the sin in our community as you did politics, we'd change our community. But that's a different sermon for a different name. We get angry. I get angry over a lot of things. In my life, like I said, the more I get stressed, the angrier I get, and I'm not proud of it. But we deal a lot with anger. So my question for you today is, like, what makes you angry? Someone cuts you off in traffic? How many of you have ever had the honor, I'm throwing everybody under the bus today, of ever being on the phone with my father-in-law? Just being on the phone with him. Anybody? Susan, raise your hand. Look at all in this back corner. You can't even have a conversation with him as he screams and hollers at everybody all around him. My wife will tell you her biggest fear of life is that while she's on the phone with her dad, someone's going to do something to him from hollering at him in a car. He gets angry over it. What is it that makes you angry today? (laughs) Man, some of you, it's your spouse that makes you angry. He leaves his underwear all over the floor, ladies. It sucks. Hey, guys, she makes you angry. She squeezes the toothpaste from the middle of the tube instead of like godly people do from the bottom and working their way up. What makes you angry? 
Your boss makes you angry. Your kids make you angry. People you work with, little things make you angry. Big things make you angry. Poverty makes you angry. Drug abuse makes you angry. Child abuse makes you angry. Uh, watching people make bad decisions. What is it today that makes you angry? Because here's the reality of the situation. We all deal with this emotion. We deal with it different, and different things get us there, but we all struggle with anger. And here's the deal with anger. Anger can be good if it leads to righteous acts. Anger can be bad if it causes you to sin. So what makes you angry? There's 15 different verses in the Bible that talk about anger and fire in the same verse. And I think it's a beautiful illustration of what anger is. Because just like fire can be used for good, it can warm us, we can cook food. It can also be used for destruction, it can burn something down. And here's the reality I want you to know about anger today. Anger can be a good thing. If it's the right type of anger. But anger can also be a bad thing. That can literally destroy not only our life, but all the lives around us. Man, you can take a fire and you can cook with it. And also, like I said, you can destroy something with it. In the Bible, every time, like I said, 15 different times that it talks about anger. It talks about anger in the context of fire. What a beautiful illustration of what our anger can be. If you have your Bibles today, we're going to be hanging out in Ephesians 4. If you don't have them, the verses will be on the screen. Don't worry about it. And we're going to be looking at this subject of anger. We're going to talk about what makes you angry. There's some big things that make me angry. But can I tell you the truth? More times than not, it's little things that make me angry. You know what makes me angry that my wife gets irritated about all the time? She's like, why do you let it bother you so bad? Now, I know it's stupid. But I can't stand to be at a restaurant eating, still eating. And the waitress comes up to me and says, would you like a refill? Of course I want a freaking refill. I'm still eating my food. My cup is empty. Did you think I planned on eating the rest of my food with nothing to drink? Ain't that stupid? Ev you, I've been out to eat with you. You complain about everything. You have no right to talk. But man, it infuriates every time. Christian's like, Gary, every time we go out to eat and they do that, you get an attitude. Why do you let it bother you? Just say, yes, I'd love a refill. I knew I was using that illustration today. We went out last night for sushi. We go eat sushi all the time. We go to the same place all the time. We always had the same 20, 21-year-old little girl as our waitress. The little girl who's our waitress is friends with people who go to this church. So I try to be nice because I'm a pastor. Yesterday, you want a refill? Knew I was using that story, and I was like, I literally felt my hand on the back of my head. I was like, yeah, thank you. Five minutes later, you want a refill? I finally said, every time it's empty, just fill it up. I thought I did good. She didn't know I was angry, but I was angry. That's not good. We hold anger in. We've got to learn how to deal with anger. So what makes you angry? Here's a better thing, and I'm going to explain this. What area in your life are you allowing the devil to set up in your guest room? Huh? What are you talking about? I guess a weird question. Well, let's look and see what the Bible says. The Bible says this in Ephesians 4. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Please leave that verse up, Xander. Here's what we need to acknowledge first of all. First of all, it's possible to be angry and not sin. 
Anger in of itself is not a bad thing. The Bible makes it very clear. In your anger, do not sin. So there's a good kind of anger. Just like fire, it can be good. There's a sanctified anger, a righteous anger. But then there's the anger that hurts the heart of God, and we fall into sin. There's that sinful anger that causes us to live in a way that is ungodly, that causes us to be a stumbling block, not only to ourselves, but to everyone around us. Righteous anger, sanctified anger, or sinful anger. The Bible says, in your anger, do not sin. It says, do not let the sun go down while you're angry. Now here, for years and years and years, I preached this verse in the context of marriage. But here's the reality of this verse. It's not a marriage verse. You ought to not go to bed angry. I wish I could tell you that we don't always do that, but we do sometimes. And we work not to go to bed angry at each other. Because I've heard it preached over and over and over in your marriage, don't go to bed angry. But this isn't talking about marriage, it's talking about relationships in general, going to bed angry, mad, or holding a grudge towards anybody. We work hard not to go to bed angry at each other, but we'll go to bed angry with other people. Do not give the devil a foothold. That word foothold is a very interesting word. Again, you've heard me say it a hundred million times, the English language is a very non-descriptive word. The Greek language was a very descriptive word. It it, it literally means, that that, that word foothold literally means a location. It means a room. It, It says don't give the devil a room in your life. Don't give him a place to set up in your life. But that's exactly what we do with anger. We take it. We don't handle it right. We sin in our anger. We let the sun go down in our anger, and in the process, we've allowed the devil to set up a guest room. They begin to take over. How many of you have ever had that guest that just won't leave? Mm, Your kids? (laughs) In-laws? They set up, and what happens when a guest comes and sets up in your house? At first, man, they're they're cool. That, That man, they're cleaning up after themselves, and they try to stay out of your way, and you don't notice that they're there. Then over time, man, they begin to act like it's their home. Mm. They act like they call the shots. And, and that's what anger does. It sets up at first, and at first you don't notice because it's slick and it's smooth. And that anger begins to consume you, and that fire begins to rage. And that guest room, he's now become the CEO of your life. We can't allow the devil to set up. We can't allow the devil to set up inside of us and begin to take over in us. And there's example after example after example of this in the Bible. But probably the most famous example is found in the beginning of the Bible, the story of Cain and Abel. And we all know that story. Cain and Abel, they were brothers. They brought their sacrifices before God. Abel brought a sacrifice. Cain brought a sacrifice. God looked down. He said he was pleased with Abel's sacrifice. And he said he wasn't pleased with Cain's sacrifice. Abel brought him the first fruits. Abel brought him the best. Cain brought him what he had left over. And instead of accepting that rebuke, because, man, we can't stand rebuke. Hello, my name is Gary. I'm the king of that. We allow it to make us angry. We were at the dinner table the other night, and my son said something to me. He's 13. I got very irritated with him, kind of made a jerk of myself at the dinner table. We get in the bedroom, and Christine said, you were wrong. I didn't look at her and say, you're right, I'm sorry. I got mad at her. I was wrong. He was wrong. I'm the dad. Blah. She goes, he wasn't disrespectful to you. He wasn't rude to you. He said something that you do that he doesn't like, and he told you, and immediately you got angry with him. That's what Cain did here. He got angry. He got so angry that that guest room began to set up and he could not shake it. And look what happens. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? And boy, it's hard to hide anger on your face. If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? He's like, why are you angry? You're doing what's wrong. If you've got to be angry with anybody, be angry with yourself. If you do what's right, will you not be accepted? 
But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must have rule over it. Leave that up, Xander, please. That's powerful. Why are you so angry? Why are you allowing your pride to get in the way? You were in the wrong. I disciplined you, I told you, and instead of you taking it, you're now angry. And because you're angry, sin is crouching at your door. Sin is ready to set up and take over in your life. And guess what Cain did? He killed his brother because of his anger. He couldn't get it under control. And the jealousy rage and the anger rage and the frustration rage in that guest room took over and took CEO in that life. And he went into deeper and deeper and deeper into his sin. What are we going to do with our anger? There's some of you today and God's going to speak to you. My prayer all morning has been God speak to me because I'm so frustrated in this part of my life. Some of you got into a fight with someone on your way to church today. Hello? Well, why is it on the way to the house of God, man, Sunday morning? All hell breaks loose, does it not? Like, I get up every single morning without an alarm clock at 6.30. Sunday morning, I don't want to get up. Sunday morning, this goes wrong and that goes wrong and the dogs do this and the dogs do that and the kids do this. And how many of you, I don't want you to raise your hand, but how many of you say, man, we fight every Sunday on the way to church? All hell breaks loose. I remember growing up and all on the way to church, it was like, good Lord. We pull in that parking lot. Praise Jesus, it's been a good morning. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> man. Some of you are like, you know what, Gary, I, I'm an angry person, but most people don't know it. I'm not an outwardly angry person. I kind of hold it in. In my past, I think that's what I was. I was able to hold it in. Most people would not know I was angry. Most people would not know I was frustrated, but here's the problem. It's like that water that's about to boil. It gets to that simmering stage, and it simmers, and it simmers, and it simmers. You never think it's going to cross that line. All of a sudden, it starts boiling out of control. By not dealing with it when I allowed it to simmer, I've now got to the point that I don't know how to handle it, and it's continually outward, frustrated, angry, snapping at people. We've got to figure out what makes us angry. You're easily angry. People just make you crazy. Yeah, welcome to life. People suck. Yeah, welcome to life. I don't like my job. Yeah, I get it. What are we going to do with our anger? Some of you are angry at God today. Which i, I got to go ahead and tell you, that's a battle you'll never win, being angry at God. Talking to someone the other day who'd screwed up in this area and that area and this area. I'm just so angry at God. I said, so you said you screwed up, yet you're angry at God. Did he make you do that? No. Then why are you angry at God, you idiot? That's Gary Lamb pastoring 101. <laughs> you hold it down. Sanctified anger, and then there's sinful anger. We've got to learn how to get a grip on our sinful anger. And today, that's what I want to talk about. I'm going to get to sanctified anger. But I want to talk about sinful anger first because here's the reality of the situation. As much as I love the people of Action Church, and I include myself in that, I'm never that preacher that's going to preach at you, I'm preaching with you. I know this group, and this group deals with a whole lot more sinful anger than it does sanctified anger. And that sinful anger will literally destroy us if we don't learn how to deal with it. So how do we deal with that anger, that sinful anger? Most of the time we deal with it wrongly. And there's two ways and two different ways we deal with anger. You can either be a spewer or you can be a stewer. Spewer just lets it fly and you cuss everyone out and everyone knows you're angry and the whole world knows. Or you can be a steward and you just hold it in and hold it in and hold it in. Here's the reality, both are wrong. If you're a spewer, spewers express it. Spewers express it. There's those who get angry and God forbid the whole world has to know they're angry. You've got a short fuse You've got a short temper. 
Hey, that's just the way you are. I'm mad, and I'm going to make everyone else miserable around me. Everyone else has to know. Now, let's be honest today, church. Church, listen, I know it's hard to be honest in church. But you're one or two. You're a spewer or a stewer. How many of you say, Gary, that's me. I'm a spewer when I get angry. I'm a spewer. That, that's become me. The rest of you, we'll see if you do But those of you who don't raise your hand, you're a liar. So you're a spewer or a stewer or a liar because you're one or the other. Man, we're spewers. We spew it out. Put your hands back up if you say you're a spewer. I'm going to hurt your feelings right here. But just remember, I didn't say it. The Bible does. Here's what the Bible says if you're a spewer when it comes to your anger. It says you're a fool. It says you are a fool. I don't know what it is about that word fool. It just cuts. Like it's almost like a dirty word. Like I would rather someone call me an a-hole or this or that or a jerk. And you call me a fool? Who are you talking to? So just remember, as you're mad right now and you're ready to spew, don't spew at me, I didn't say it, God did. Here's what it says. The Bible says in Proverbs 29, fools give full vent to their rage. Fools give full vent to their rage. People who can't control themselves, uneducated, fools. That's what that word means. Fools give vent to their rage, but the wise bring calm in the end. I love this story. Probably one of my favorite evangelists ever. When I first felt God calling me to preach, I fell in love with an old evangelist named Billy Sunday, and most of you probably never heard of him, but he brought revival all over the country, and I read all kinds of books about Billy Sunday, and he was getting up one day, and he was preaching, and he was preaching, and he was preaching about the foolishness of letting it spew when we get angry. And afterwards, he said a lady came up to him and said, she goes, I beg to differ with you. She goes, I just release it, and then it's over. She said, but if I hold it in, it goes on for days. But if I just let it go, I let it go and it's over and it only affects me. And he said, I beg to differ. He goes, if you shoot a shotgun at a crowd of people, once you shoot it, the shot's over. But a lot of people get injured as it sprays out everywhere. Once a bomb goes off, it's over. But a lot of people around you are damaged because of that. Well, I just blow up and I'm fine, Gary. No, 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 you're killing and destroying everyone around you. They don't want to be around you. They walk on eggshells. They're tense, they're nervous. I, I, sadly, I feel like that's how people have become around me lately. Because I don't know what's going to set you off. Where spewers and spewers express it. The Bible says in Proverbs 14, a quick-tempered person does foolish things. There's that word again. A quick-tempered person does foolish things. And the one devises evil schemes is hated. <laughs> Anger is destroying some of you because you're spewing it everywhere. It's affecting your relationships. It's affecting your kids. It's affecting your work. It's affecting your spouse because you don't know how to deal with your anger. You're spewing it everywhere. Now, here's what stewards do. Stewards suppress it. Stewards suppress it. Spewers, they express it. Stewers, they suppress it. I used to be a stewer. I'd let it hold in and hold in and hold in and hold in. But man, when it was time to let it go, I destroyed everything around me. Because I didn't know how to handle it in a godly way. Instead of holding it in, I should have been dealing with it along the way. David in the Old Testament, he was the king of holding it in. Look what the Bible says about him. This is him. He said, he said when I kept silent... My bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. He said, as I kept silent about the hurt and the anger I was feeling, it was literally killing me inside. We get upset rather than talking it out in a healthy way. We hold it in. You look a bit self-controlled on the outside, but on the inside, the reality is you're smoldering. Anything that smolders can eventually catch fire. Really, suppressing is the opposite of love because the Bible says love keeps no record of wrong. But as we suppress it, man, we're holding it in. And we're stewing on it. 
and we're steaming on it, and we're thinking about what they're angry about and what that person did to us or what that company did to us or what happened here, and we're just stewing, and we're suppressing it, and we're holding it in. <laughs> she did this, and he did that. And, I'm, and I'll never do that, but I remember when they did this. Instead of handling it in a healthy way, and we're holding it in. Unfortunately, the sin of stewing many times is what destroys marriages. Couples get upset over small things. Someone will go off. The next thing you know, because you don't want to fight, hello, you're both stewing. You're going to bed angry. You're giving the devil a foothold in your life. He gets to sit up in the guest room. You both go to bed angry. And what do you do? Because you're stewing and you don't want to fight. You assume what I call the fighting bed position. Does anybody know what the fighting bed position is? That's when you don't talk. That's when you get in bed and one goes to the right and one goes to the left and you roll over and you have your back towards each other. And you're daring the other one to say, I love you, because you're not going to, and they're not going to, and you better not touch me. And hey, who can go the longest without touching wins? And then you can relax a little bit in your foot, and you try to jerk it. I didn't touch you. And you're stewing. And you justify, we didn't go to bed fighting. Yeah, you did. You went to bed angry, stewing and suppressing it. <laughs> he better talk first. Then you wake up. You went to bed angry, and you get up and you're still angry, and you go through breakfast without talking. And then finally, sometimes it happens before you go to work. Sometimes it happens while you're at work. Sometimes it happens when you get home. One of you, enough is enough. <laughs> you go from stewing to spewing, and all hell breaks loose. You'd have had a healthy conversation 24 hours earlier and learned how to deal with your anger. In Luke 15, 28, we see the most, probably my favorite story in all the Bible, the story of the prodigal son. We know the story. Son goes to his dad, says, I want my money. He heads off to a far country, spends all the money. He comes back home. He loses everything, comes back home. The dad doesn't hold over to the dad, says, come back, man, we're throwing a party for you. Luke 15, 28, we see the brother who didn't go off and party He's out in the field stewing. Father says, why aren't you inside partying, man? Your brother was dead, now he's alive. <laughs> the brother's like, nah. I never left. I've always been here. And you're throwing a party for him? I'm not going to cause a scene, but I'm going to stay out here in the field and just be angry. Instead of realizing that the father said, man, everything I have is yours. You've never, all I want is you. And I love you, but he was dead and now he's alive again. The brother stayed out there and he just stewed the whole time. How many of you say, Gary, I, I might not be much of a spewer, but I'm a stewer. How many of you say, I'm a stewer? It's a dangerous crowd. It's 50-50. Got some good fights up in this place. So the question becomes, how do we handle our anger? Because let me make this as clear to you as I can. Not getting angry is not an option. You're going to get angry. Things are going to make you angry. All anger is not bad. But how do we deal with anger? Well, there's two different kinds of anger. So we're going to talk about both of them. So first of all, if it's sinful anger, we're going to put it out. If it's sinful anger, we're going to put it out. Remember, anger is like a fire. The way you put out a fire is you cut off the oxygen to it. You cut off what's feeding the fire. If it's sinful anger, we're going to make the decision to put it out. Proverbs, starting a quarrel is like breaching a dam. So drop the matter before dispute breaks out. People kill me, man. They're like, the Bible's so complicated, I just don't understand it, Gary. No, the Bible's so simple that sometimes it's complicated. 
Horrible is like breaching a dam. My wife makes fun of me all the time because I'm consumed with how high and how low the Etowah River is. I don't know why. I don't know why I care. But every time we cross there, I'm like, man, the river's high today. Man, the river's like, she's like, why, why do, five years, why do you care? Uh, I don't know, I don't care, it's, it's high. About 10 years ago, I lived in the apartments behind the Etowah River. And I went to the store, and I came back literally 90 minutes later, and the entire parking lot was about three feet underwater. Remember when we had that flood about 10 years ago, and the auto zone was flooded, and the Hardys was flooded? And I've just always been fascinated with how quickly, once the river breaches, how quickly it floods. And I do, I'm, I'm like the, the Etowah River report man. Etowah River's low today. Man, look how high it is today. <laughs> we went hiking yesterday, I'm like, man, I don't, I don't really know what river that was. And I was like, man, that river's flowing. I don't know anything about rivers or why they flow and how they get high or anything. I just... Fascinated by it. Starting corals like breaching a dam. Once it overflows that dam, instantly destruction can happen. So the Bible says, drop it before it ever gets to that point. I I need a way to deal with my sinful anger. I need a formula, Gary. Here's the formula. Drop it. If I thought Phil had one bit of soul in him, I'd have had the band do it. Drop it like it's hot today. You take your anger and you drop it. When you look at Scripture, man, you see Jesus. And Jesus got angry many, many times. But you never see him being sinful in his anger. One of my favorite stories of Jesus' anger is there was this guy with a shriveled up hand. He had a deformed hand. He happened to be in the synagogue. And it happened to be on the day of the Sabbath. And, and in this day and time, you couldn't heal. It was against the law, the religious law, to heal people on the Sabbath. So Jesus reaches out and he heals him. And the religious leaders of the day get mad. And Jesus just gets furious with them. Here he is helping someone and healing someone on the Sabbath day. But he doesn't argue with them. He, he doesn't put them down. Just look what he says. He looked around at them in his anger. Deeply distressed at their stubborn starts. And he said to the men, stretch out your hand. He stretched out his hand, and his hand was completely restored. He didn't say he yelled at the religious leader. You know what I'd have done if I was Jesus? Can I just be honest with you? If I was Jesus, and they started dogging me, I'd have been like, hemorrhoids for every one of them. (laughs) Every one of them. That's why I'm not Jesus. I don't even know if he had like, that's just what I'd do. Because I'm Jesus. I can do that. He just ignores them. He doesn't feed into them. He doesn't give them credence. Check this out. Check this. Here's what's mind-boggling. He doesn't even justify himself to them. Someone came up to me about two weeks ago and said, Man, I saw somebody write something about you on Facebook. I said, Somebody I know? They said, no. They lived in Wyoming. I said, what did they write about? Some old article about you from like 10 years ago. I guess they had just said it in your idea of church. And they had, You want to know what they said? I said, what a complete stranger said about me? Yeah. I said, no, I'm good. Guess what? Their opinion of me is none of my business. Why do I care What a complete, I didn't even know they had internet in Wyoming. (laughs) They read an article about the church I pastored at the time, obviously didn't look at the date on it, and were writing like it happened a week ago. That happened 13 years ago, actually. I I don't care. Now, can I tell you what my flesh would have done? I'd been ready to fight. Why? What good comes out of that? Except it affects me. You drop it like it's hot. Just drop it. Can you put that last verse back up, Xander, please? Just drop it. Uh, yeah, that one. Start on course like beaching it down. So drop the matter before a dispute breaks out. Man, Jesus was mad. He was angry at these people. But he didn't look at them and argue with them. He just reached out and did what he felt called doing. He healed the man on the Sabbath. We've got to learn 
just to let things go sometimes. We've just got to learn to move on. We choose how we respond. You say, Gary, how do we just drop it? Well, here's what the Bible says in James. James 1.19 says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Just drop it. Listen. Listen. Can you go back to verse 19, Xander? Please, sir. Listen. Slow to speak. Slow to become angry. I think that order is very important. We've got to listen first. My wife and I have so many fights, and a lot of them are my fault lately, because we're not slow to listen. Immediately we hear negative, we hear the bad, or we hear the worst coming out. They didn't even mean it that way. And then after we listen, process for a minute. Think before we speak, I know that's hard. And slow to become angry. We get angry so quickly. You just got to drop it sometimes. You just got to drop it. You say, Gary, it's not that easy. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And here's how I know. How many of you have ever been at work? You and your wife are throwing down. You're texting back and forth. Maybe you're on the phone fighting. You're doing whatever. And a customer walks in. And instantly, like, can I help you? The boss walks in. Yeah, boss man, what do you need today? Yeah, man, I can do that. Two seconds ago, you were fighting. You know why you can do that? Because you can control your anger. Uh, you've been on the phone, you're throwing down, you're fighting, someone comes and knocks on the door. Hey, how you doing today? Can I help you? They'd never know you've been in a fight. Somebody calls, hey, man, what's going on? Oh, man, just chilling at the house, knowing you got broke pictures. You done flipped the bed over. You've been screaming. The kids are hiding in the closet. You know why you can do that? Because you can control your anger. We choose not to control our anger. I'm not preaching at you today. I'm preaching with you today. Matter of fact, I might not even be preaching with you at all. I might just be preaching to myself today. We can control it. We choose not to control it. We choose not to drop it. And if it's sinful anger, we've got to drop it. There's times in my life where I'm really good with my anger. And I can look back, and I've thought about it a lot this week, and it's during those times in my life that I can see I, I'm more in tune with God. When I'm in his word, when my prayer life is what it should be. I had praise music on this morning, and I haven't preached in the last couple of weeks, and I thought to myself, man, I only turn praise music on when I'm getting ready on Sunday mornings. It's amazing how soothing it is to me. I was in the shower, Naked and praising Jesus. You know what I mean? I know that's a horrible image for some of you. I guess it's a horrible image for me. But it's just amazing that my temper and my anger is a direct result of my walk with God. When I'm in tune with God and I'm more like Jesus, I can deal with my anger the way Jesus does. Slow to anger. Slow to anger. We're just the opposite, man. We're bam, and we're angry. I asked Christine yesterday, we went hiking. I said, hey, I can't remember what I said. Um, do something on your phone or something. She said, why? I said, what does it matter why? I, why did that bother me? She said, why? It snapped. She did good. I could tell she wanted to snap. I could see the jaw lock. And I'm trying to get the words back in my mouth. Because I knew when they come out, man, I was like. And then I made it worse. Can I get amen, guys? Whoop, whoop, whoop. Why'd you ask why? Because I'm an idiot and I'm sorry. I said, because I don't need to be questioned. And I saw her cock the head. And I saw her make the decision not to get angry. And I felt like a dog. 
felt like a creep, felt horrible. And then I allowed myself to get angry at myself because of how I'd acted. I made the decision not to get angry. Excuse me, I made the decision to get angry. She made the decision not to get angry. Anger's a choice. Stop that. No, it's not. Anger's not a choice, but how you respond to anger is a choice. And if it's sinful anger, we just got to drop it. I was talking to someone before the service today, and they're like, man, I'm just in a dark place, and I'm frustrated. I'm angry. I said, man, me too. And hey, high five, let's bond over that. I get it. And I, I didn't say this then, but I'm saying it now. I wonder how that person, and I'm not saying they're not doing this, so let me make that very clear. But I wonder how their life would change just for the next 72 hours, their house was filled with praise music. And what was on the show was, on the TV was edifying to God. And we were in the book. And man, because when I'm in tune with God, those things are so much easier. It's easy for me to drop it and be like Jesus when I'm trying to live like Jesus. But when I'm trying to control the situation, or I've made my bed, and I've, I'm in a situation right now where I've made my bed and I'm having to sleep in, and I hate it. So instead of getting, dealing with it and getting through it, I, I get angry that I'm in the situation. It's my fault I'm in the situation. It's my fault I'm in the financial situation, the career situation, the relationship situation. It's my fault. Yeah, instead of being a man and dealing with it and getting through it, I, I want to get angry. Just got to learn to drop it. Sinful anger will destroy you. Now here's what we're going to do, though, if there's another kind of anger. If it's sanctified anger, we're going to fan the flame. We're going to fan that flame. Remember the story I told about Jesus? Healed the shriveled man's hand. He had a sanctified anger that the religious would come and get a hold of him. That the religious would come. Let me throw that verse back up there again. Throw it back up there, Xander. He looked around at them, Mark 3, 5. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed their stubborn heart said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. When you got a sanctified anger, you stoke that fire. You go after that fire. When you're angry at something that is consistent with the heart of God, when you're angry over something that makes God angry, when you look at Scripture and you can see that Jesus, he got angry, when you're looking out and you can see an injustice, man, you stoke that fire. Some of you need to look around this community and say, you know what, I'm angry about addiction. Good, stoke that fire. Handle it the right way, but stoke that fire and let it fuel you. Someone told me today said, I'm angry about how many children are growing up without parents and how bad the foster system is. Stoke that fire. Do whatever it is you got to do. When the things grieve the heart of God and they're grieving you, it's probably the Holy Spirit of God convicting you in your life and you go after that with everything that you have. I'm sick of seeing marriages fall apart. Get angry about it. We should get angry about it. We need to fan that flame. Is your marriage struggling? Get angry. Matter of fact, get pissed off. But don't get angry at your spouse. Get angry at the devil that you've allowed him to have a foothold in your relationship. Get angry at yourself for the parts you played in that situation and begin to go after with everything that is in you the way you can to overcome that. The devil wants to come along and camp out in your room. It's time for you to give him an eviction notice. How many of you saw the parents that had to go to court two weeks ago and evict their 38-year-old child? 38-year-old child. He had to take him to court because he wouldn't leave. Some of you need to take the devil to court and evict him. He's set up in your house, and he's eating your food and using your utilities, leaving stains in your commode, and you're letting him. You're hanging on to things that happened instead of moving on and saying today is a new day. We need to go after it. We need to fan that flame. Maybe God's given you a heart for your unchurched friends. Someone told me, they say, this always kills me. People me say, we need to grow this church. Oh, okay. Well, what do you think we can do? I mean, we can put on a concert or we can do this. 
yeah, we can do all that. Or you know what else we could do? You could get a heart for your unchurched friends and invite them to church. What you're really saying is, Gary, you need to grow the church. No, how about you get a heart for your unchurched co-workers? How about you get a heart for your unchurched family members? How about you get an un, a, a heart for your unchurched neighbors? Imagine if everybody here brought one person with them next week. One person. You ain't got one person that to come to church with you? There wouldn't be a seat here. A church goes as the people in the church go. It's time that we get angry that 74% of our community wants nothing to do with church because they see it as hypocrites and fakes and liars and people who are so judgmental and stuck in their traditions. We need to go after those people. Get angry about the things that anger God. Fan the flame. There's two kinds of anger. Sinful anger, we're going to put it out. It can be done because you do it when other people are around. Sanctified anger, we're going to fan that flame. Anger is not a sin. But in your anger, do not sin. I use that emoji way too much in the sinful type of anger. They say confession is good for the soul, but it's really, really bad for the ego. So I confess my crap to you today. I've actually set this up in a lot of ways to be a lot of confession for me. That last week of the series, I'm going to preach a sermon that I've never preached in my life. I've never even studied it out in my life till recently. I'm going to talk about what the Bible says about our physical health. You know the Bible says a lot about us being fat and not taking care of our bodies? I don't want you to leave here mad. I don't want you to leave here mad. I'm talking to myself. I'm just going to lay it all out to you. This is going to be a cleansing series. Next week, we're going to talk about how do you live at peace with everyone? How do you live at peace with people you can't stand? How do you live at peace with people that are just out to destroy you? That third week of the series, we're going to talk about how you deal with crappy people. And don't come to me and tell me that's chocolate ice cream because it ain't. Fourth week, we're talking about how do we be happy? We're all searching for this elusiveness, this happiness coming up short. It's going to be a fun series. Today, we're talking about anger. Sinful anger, we're going to drop it like it's hot. Sanctified anger, man, we're going to fan that flame and go after it.